You're listening to New England Public Radio News. I'm Carrie Healy, in for Susan Kaplan, and this is The Shortlist, New England Public Radio's Week in Review. Joining us today, Natasha Clark, publisher of Lioness Magazine. It focuses on female entrepreneurs. Also with us, Matt Safransky, the man behind the Western Mass Politics and Insight blog. Welcome to you both. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. A ballot question proposed in Massachusetts would essentially ban eggs that are not cage-free. It would also prohibit the sale of any veal and pork from animals, quote, confined in a cruel manner. Here's Wayne Passell of the Humane Society of the United States president and CEO. By 2022, so a six-year phase-in for farmers in-state and also out-of-state, that if you're going to sell veal or pork or eggs in this state that the farmers, wherever they are producing the animals, also must adhere to these production standards. Advocates are calling this initiative a quality of life issue for pigs, calves, and chickens. The industry says it will definitely raise prices for consumers. Matt, where do you draw the line between treating animals better and getting Massachusetts residents cheaper food? Well, I I think it's less about the line that gets drawn and more about what the impact is on other agricultural issues in terms of our food. You know, I'm thinking about, you know, antibiotics in food. I'm thinking about, you know, I don't have to take an issue on like the GMO labeling, but Congress has already kind of suggested that states shouldn't have the power over that. Taking these kind of big steps on the food supply only seems to be encouraging a federal response, which will take away our ability on the state level to manage what I think are perhaps more pressing issues in our food supply chain. Natasha, you know, this is not just coming out of nowhere. Other states, uh, California, Arizona, Florida, have passed laws that cover some of these regulations. What are the chances Massachusetts voters okay this, and how much money should we expect both sides to dump into arguing this issue? That I'm not, I'm not too sure about. You know, on just a basic level, I think it's very interesting that we tend to uh, care so much about pets that we keep at home. But then sometimes when it involves animals that are not necessarily domestic, we're kind of like, ah, oh, well, is it a big deal? Uh, is raising food prices a big deal? Yes. You know, many families are still struggling. Products at the grocery stores are constantly going up. I'm not really, I'm not really sure. And is it like you just said, dumping money on both sides? Is it the most pressing issue that we should be putting our cash behind right now in 2015? That I'm not really sure of. Okay, and do you think we should be doing that? I, I think that you know there's so there's going to be money dumped on no matter what the ballot questions are. I think to just to have so much of our attention put on something like that when we have questions about what our tax policy is going to be, what about legalization of marijuana. People only have so much RAM, and to throw this into the mix is just going to complicate our referendum process. We've got to pivot now. The death last week of a two-year-old girl and the hospitalization of a 22-month-old living in that same Auburn foster home. It's been called tragic and frustrating by the governor. It's just the latest in a long line of problems in the area caring for children, both in the Commonwealth and in other New England states. Here's Governor Charlie Baker. The death of any child is a tragedy. And I can tell you that for myself, for the Lieutenant Governor, the Secretary, the Commissioner, and all the rest of us, to whom 47,000 children's care and custody has been secured, we take it very personally. And we plan to continue to get to the bottom of these and to make the changes that need to be made so this doesn't happen going forward. The Auburn case comes on the heels of an abused and starved boy from Hardwick, now in a coma. He was under Department of Children and Family Supervision. Now, these awful cases are not new to the state, but how much time should the governor be 
spending to improve these things. Natasha? I think it's a really pressing and timely issue that he should be getting behind um, with the recent deaths that you just noted. And I know that there were two other children, I believe, in the state. And and then with uh, there was also recently the murder of a DCF worker. So it's a really uh, important time to be getting behind these issues. And actually, maybe you need to go back and double check policy and protocol. And maybe some of that needs to be reexamined or rewritten. Well, Matt, the social workers at DCF and their union say they're assigned too many cases each. And the state is hiring more social workers, but they haven't been up to keep it up with that whopping number of increases in cases. And Baker says he's going to try to find the money to hire more staff. But is that the way to solve the problem? Well, I think it's going to have to be, at least in the short term, a way to solve the problem. And the governor has to decide what is the most, you know, what is his priority. There may come a point where he needs to find more money, perhaps more money than he is otherwise in the budget for some of these lines. You know, he owns this issue because it was such a critical part of last year's fall campaign. It was they attacked Martha Coakley on this issue. You know, he can't he cannot give anything but 110 percent on it. You know, I mean, he shouldn't anyway. But under the circumstances of last year's campaign, I, I think it would just be unavoidable. Speaking of Baker, we reported this week that Massachusetts Governor Charlie Baker has made only a handful of appearances in the four western counties of the state since he took office in January. He was here for funeral services for Marine Gunnery Sergeant Tommy Sullivan this summer. But Baker's last public appearances in Western Mass, May 28th. Matt, do you think Baker's making a mistake? I understand that, you know, he has a disadvantage that Governor Patrick did not have. You know, the governor came out here a lot because he had a home in, in Western Mass. And I know that his time is valuable. But this area delivered very well for him, particularly in Hampton County. Maybe not so much, you know, Hampshire, Franklin, Berkshire, but uh, they did deliver for him. And I even hear some complaints among some of my Republican sources that, you know, things are not what we what they had necessarily had hoped for. And uh, this is one state. We are a commonwealth and um, the capital is Boston. That's true. But he needs to be out there more often, just sending the lieutenant governor. No disrespect to her. I have a lot of, uh, you know, appreciate what she does, does and everything, but she's not the governor. And uh, it makes a difference to be here. With everything going on in the state budget concerns to DCF problems, to energy worries, Natasha, should we be happy that he is not spending the three-hour drive to get to Western Mass? Well, I like to see you out in Western Mass. You know, prior to... Uh, Deval Patrick, it seemed like for a little bit, you know, Western Mass was always kind of treated like the bad stepchild and maybe we'll see you every so often. And Patrick kind of set this president where Western Mass was just as important as Boston. And I feel like Western Mass has done a lot of flourishing in the last few years. So I'd really hate to see that relationship kind of wane off. Um, I know that there are a lot of, like you just said, a lot of issues and problems going on, but those are statewide problems, you know? So I think it's just as important for him to be out here. Not every week. Of course not. We know you're busy, but a little more often than that. (laughs) Natasha Clark, publisher of Lioness Magazine, which focuses on female entrepreneurs. And joining us, Matt Safransky, the man behind the Western Mass Politics and Insights blog. Thanks to both of you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for listening to The Shortlist, NEPR's Week in Review. This is New England Public Radio. I'm Carrie Healy.